All right, again, it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, my name is Shane. For those of you that, that uh, maybe I haven't been able to meet yet or you can't remember my name or whatnot, uh, I apologize that hopefully I can try and remember your name, but um, uh, not always uh, the, the, the easiest. Um, like I said earlier, we've, uh, we've probably all lied. Like last week, I, I asked for a show of hands for those of us have, that have fears, but I'm not going to have a show of hands because just in case, you know, some of you don't put your hand up and I have to call you out as a liar for you saying you don't buy, um, you know, uh, I don't, I wouldn't, I would hate to put you in that awkward uh, position like that to, to, to lie in church. I mean, that would just be awful. Uh, so, but, uh, but we've all been there. We've, we've all lied. We've, you know, to our parents or to, to uh, a classmate or to a teacher or to a, to, to a coworker or to a neighbor or, or, or hopefully not to our spouse, uh, to often, right? But, you know, we, no elbows or anything like that, you know, here, please, please. We don't want to go through marriage counseling right here and right now. So, uh, but we've all lied. We've all been there. But why do we lie? Why do we lie? We lie in order to preserve face, right? In order to preserve face, in order for us to look good or look better or look appropriate or fit in. We, we, we lie in order so that the other person will like us. A few years back, there was a high-profile basketball coach that got a high-profile job and it came out very soon, like a week or so after he got the job, that he lied on his resume. I mean, I, I think it was Notre Dame. I, I, I don't, don't you kind of remember that, Jack? Yeah, yeah, a football coach. He, Jack's right there with it. And, but it was Notre Dame, right? It was, was Notre Dame, right? Yeah. And, and, and he lied on his resume. I mean, for a high profile, like as if ESPN wouldn't investigate this or, or, or anything. I mean, you know, Division Three or something, like, come on. But high profile, Division One. Uh, a couple of years back, Bobby Petrino with Arkansas lied about what was happening on the side with an affair and then the motorcycle wreck and then the cover-up and then the cover-up, the cover-up, the cover-up, the cover-up, the cover-up that all of a sudden started coming out on ESPN. You know, thank you ESPN, right? To, you know, the enforcer of all truth. Um, anyway, uh, we tell lies in order to cover, well, Let's just say safe face. But what happens, what happens when we do more than tell lies? What happens when our life is the lie? What happens when we're living a lie? That whatever is deep down inside, and you say, if you only knew, what happens when our life is like that? Because I would have to think that probably... Not only have all of us lied, but we've probably at some point in time in our lives have lived a lie. I mean, I know that I have. Growing up in, in, in church and, and being a leader in church, I've had those times where, well, if they actually knew. What happens when we're living in that time of life? What happens if we're living in that time of life right now? We're going to be taking a look at a guy by the name of Jacob. 
in Genesis, starting in Genesis 28. And a guy by the name of Jacob. And his name means deceiver. I don't think we have any Jacobs here, and I'm sorry to break the news to you that your name means deceiver if you are here this morning, but that's what Jacob means. And his life was characterized by deception. And in, in Genesis 28, verse 10, meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. He was leaving because of the lie. Let's, take, let's go back in time. Last time we were in Genesis, two weeks ago, uh, Phil uh, looked at uh, Abraham. And the promise of God and Abraham. And, and God showed up to Abraham and said, hey, move from your home to Canaan. And I'm going to make you a nation. You don't have kids. You can't have kids, but I'm going to make you a nation. And so Abraham packed up his stuff, got the U-Haul van, you know, the, the caravan of camels, and moved right on down to Canaan. But we see Abraham lying about his wife. She was old, but she was hot. And he was afraid that, that he would be killed if... He said that he was her husband. And so he said, no, 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 she's just, she's just my sister. He doesn't do this once. He does this twice. And if you've been reading along with Genesis with us, the, the, the second time, actually we find out that, that this wasn't a lie. It wasn't the full truth. And for some of you that have been reading along with us, you maybe were more disturbed that it wasn't the full truth than, that, than if it was a lie. Like, wait a minute. He actually... We have the same father, but different mothers. So it's not a lie that she's my sister. Okay. But finally, finally, Abraham and Sarah had the promised baby. And this was after an attempt and a successful attempt to have a baby with Sarah's Egyptian maid. So... It means Abraham played French maid with the Egyptian maid, and it didn't turn out well for him. But they finally had Isaac, the promised baby. And then God told, I, or told Abraham, hey, sacrifice Isaac. One thing that we know about Abraham is that whenever God said to do something, he did it. It was when God kind of went silent and, and, and Abraham tried to fill in the blanks that he got himself in trouble. And so he went and he went up to the mountain and went to sacrifice Isaac and just before he, he, he struck the knife into Isaac, God said, hold on, I know that you are faithful to me. And he looked up and he saw the ram caught in a thicket. And Isaac grows up. And he needs a wife. And where better to get a wife from than your own family? So Abraham sent a servant up to his family to find a wife. And some of you know that the, 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 the test that the servant made and, and then Rebecca comes out and fits that test and, 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 and because he knew and, and she didn't, he, he, he was like, ha, you know, and started giving her all kinds of gifts and you're going to be the wife of my master and, and, you know, that would be an awkward conversation. And, and so they went home and told dad and they left and brought, brought Rebecca down to, to, to be the wife of, of Isaac. 
Rebecca and Isaac got married and they conceived and she had twins in her belly and they fought against each other in her belly. And she was questioning this and wondering what this was all about. In Genesis 25, 23, God told her and the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. They're, they're fighting in your room. They're going to fight when they come out. And then their nations are going to fight later. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your younger son. This was in the day where the older son got everything. Maybe it hasn't changed that much, right, younger sons? But anyway, where the older son got everything. And, and, and God said the younger son is going to rule over. The older son is going to serve the younger son. And the younger son is going to rule over the older son. And so these two are born. Esau and Jacob. And Jacob it means deceiver. And we see right away that he's living up to his name. Because Esau, he was the man of the field. He was a man, he was a hunter. He went and killed the game with his bare hands. He was the jock brother. And he went out to kill the game. But it was a bad day. So he came home empty-handed, but he was hungry. He was famished. Meanwhile, back at the farm, Jacob was at home because he was the homebody. He's the one that knew how to cook, knew how to clean, knew how to sew. So we have the jock brother and we have the metrosexual brother. You're only offended if you're living a lie of metrosexuality, so hey. <laughs> See what I did there? That was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> and so the jock brother comes home after not getting anything, and Jacob's stirring the stew. And smells good. He can, Esau can smell it from a mile away, and he's ready to eat when he gets in. And he's like, give me some of that stew. Jacob's like, I want to get something out of this. Some of your birthright for a pot of this or a bowl of this stew. And Esau says, what good is my birthright if I just die now? So Esau sells the birthright to Jacob. Jacob swindles the birthright out of Esau. But then a little bit later, as, as Isaac is, is on his deathbed or what he thinks is his deathbed, he, he tells Esau, hey, hey, go out into the field. Go out into the field and, and kill something and bring it back and cook something and, 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 and I'm going to bless you and give you your inheritance. And, and, and Esau goes out. But Rebecca, she loved Jacob. Jacob was the mama's boy. She went up to Jacob and said, hey, look, 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 look. Esau's gone. Uh, the blessing's going to happen. And, and you know, God promised me this thing. And, 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 and Rebecca decided to fill in the blanks. Rebecca decided to play God a little bit and, and, and help God out because how does the younger son become the one that is in control? And so she decided to help God out when God went silent. We've never done that, have we? And so she tells Jacob, hey, look, here's what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to cook up some stew. You're going to cook up some food. And, 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 and this is your f dad's favorite meal. And you're going to cook this up. And, 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 and you're, going to, you're going to go in and deceive your dad and let make him think that he, you are Esau. And he's going to give you the blessing. He's going to give you the inheritance. 
Jacob's like, okay. So he goes in, cooks up the stew, and goes into his dad. And his dad is like, wait a minute. Something's not right here. He couldn't see very well, so he couldn't make out who it was. But, 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 but he, he's like, it sounds like Jacob, but you say you're Esau. Come here, come here, come here. I want to feel you. See, Esau was hairy. So hairy that Rebekah told Jacob to skin a lamb and put it on his arms. So that when, when, when Isaac wanted to, to, to test and see if it was Esau and he felt his arms, that he felt the lamb's skin, the lamb's wool, and go, oh, you're hairy like Esau. Now that's, that's hairy. If we're going to mistake you for, for, for lamb... That's hairy. I mean, I just imagine Esau could have rocked the 70s, you know, the wide lapel, unbuttoned down to here with the chia pet coming out with the gold medallion. Esau could have rocked the 70s. Somebody just threw up in their mouth, didn't they? Just as long as it's in your mouth, we're good, all right? Swallow, swallow. And so he deceives his dad and he swindles the, the, the blessing and the inheritance away from his brother. And where we pick this up is that, is, that, is that Jacob is running away because he's just deceived his dad and just deceived his brother. And, and he's running away because you don't, you don't tick off your, your jock brother if you're metrosexual. Right? That ends very badly for you. So he's running away. Rebecca tells him to go back up to her brother Laban. Because, again, what better place to find a wife than your uncle's house? At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. This is the day, uh, this is the day before, you know, uh, Serta mattresses and tempur mattresses and memory foam pillows. And so he, he, he lays down and uses a stone for a pillow. And as he slept, he dreamt of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And some of you are like, I've had that dream, but I was on something. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. And Maybe some of you have a hard time with this because God just showed up to the deceiver and said, you're the one I'm going to bless. You're the one I'm going to give the promise to. You're the one that the promise is going to go through your lineage. Like, how could God bless the deceiver? But see, (laughs) when we're the deceiver, we want God to bless us. When somebody else is the deceiver, we want God to punish them. See, the thing is, is that God shows up in our deception. When we're living a lie, that's when God shows up. And maybe if you're living a lie right here and right now, what you need is to have God show up. I'm glad you're here because God's in our midst. 
He can show up in the middle of our deception. That's what he does for, 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 for Jacob. And what does God give him? God gives him the truth. The truth of his promise. The truth of the promise that he started with Abraham. All nations are going to be blessed by you. You're going to, you're going to own this land. This land is where your descendants are going to live. And, and, and amazing things are going to happen. See, even though we're in our deception, even though we're living a lie, God shows up and he wants to form us through the truth. God wants to form us because he is the truth. And he starts forming us in our deception. See, the good news this morning is that he doesn't form you once you get your deception all taken care of. Once you stop lying isn't when he starts forming you informing me. It is in our deception that he starts forming us, just like Jacob. So what happens? What happens next? What, how does Jacob react to God showing up? How do we get out of our deception? Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. See, we haven't seen God show up in Jacob's story yet. We haven't seen Jacob uh, even worry about God or think about God. It's all been about himself and all been about his, his birthright and his blessing and his, 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 his. I wasn't even aware of God being in this place, but God is. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. See, so often now that we talk about the house of God, we talk about a building. Jacob wasn't in a building. He wasn't even in a tent. He was just laying, laying down on a stone. Some of you may think he was stoned with a vision that he got. He wasn't in a building, but he's like, I'm in the house of God. Look, look, look. We are in between a Mexican place and a burger joint. We're sandwiched with grease, all right? There's nothing holy about this place unless, I mean, some of us like grease. But anyway, there's nothing holy about this building. The house, the temple of God is wherever God dwells. And, and, and God is in this place. It is the house of God, not because this building is anything special, but because people who have believed in God and have the Spirit dwelling in them are here. And because God is here, we are in the gateway to heaven. We are in the gateway of heaven. We are, we are on the precipice of heaven because God is among us. And those of us that may be non-fans, that, that just checking this church thing out and don't know if you like God or not, don't know if you like church or not, see, we do this in order for you to be able to get a glimpse of what it's like when God shows up. And then that you want it all the time. Because when you have the Spirit living with you, He doesn't leave just because we leave this building. He's with you all the time. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone. I, I would too if I was laying my head on the stone. 
I took the stone, he rested his head against it, and he set it upright as the memorial, memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God, and this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. How do we get out of our deception? What do we do when God shows up in our deception? We determine to live by faith. This is what Jacob did. He determined to live by faith. He said, I am going to live by faith. Now, there's a lot of if-then statements where, where God's like, or Jacob's like, if God does, then I will. Look, he meets us wherever we are. Jacob hadn't thought about God yet, according to the, the, the story of Scripture. So <laughs> God met Jacob exactly where he was. How do we get out of our deception? We determine to live by faith. Phil talked a couple weeks ago about the next step. What's the next step of faith? Maybe if we're living in deception, it's to talk to somebody and say, hey, look, man, I, I'm living a lie. And get that out in the open. And let somebody who will help you walk through this with you. See, this is a safe place. We've all been there. We've all told a lie. We've all lived a lie. And we're not going to be like, oh, how dare you? We're going to be like, I've been there. I'm going to help you. And sometimes we need a two-by-four across the head, right? We need to be woken up. We need, we need somebody to go, hey, look, out of love, out of helping, out of pushing us out of the lie. Maybe our next step is to apologize to whomever we're putting a front up to. Maybe our next step, if, 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 if God, if, if this whole thing, if you're like Jacob and you said, you know what, I haven't even thought a whole lot about God. It's the first thing is to make God your God. And to say, I'm tired of running away out of my lies. I'm ready for the truth to form me. And you're asking God, who is truth, to form you. But we know that when we have an encounter with God and God shows up, it's just a matter of time until that experience wanes away. The next thing that happens is that Jacob goes to, uh, to, to his uncle Laban's house and, and lo and behold, one of Laban's daughters is, is, is attractive to him and he's like, I want to marry her. And you're like, wait a minute, that's his... Yes, yes, yes. Different day. He said, look, Laban, I will work seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. Laban says, that sounds good to me. So faithfully, Jacob worked hard for seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. And seven years later, it says it went like that for Jacob. I don't know about you fellows, but that kind of puts me to shame that it went like that in seven years. And like, wow, okay. It got to the 
wedding day. There he was, and there she was, and, and, and of course it was the Middle East, so they were all in their, in their garb and their, their, their veil and, 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 and everything, and they got married, and, and they went off to their tent and do what honeymooners do, and, and, and the next morning, you know, Jacob went to, to snuggle up with his newly, newlywed wife, and, and, and the wife kind of started to turn around, and, oh, it's Leah! <laughs> it's Leah! What are you doing in here? What are you doing? Have you, ah, ah, ah. What's going on? Don't please tell me you were, I, I was here. Ha, ah. So Jacob runs out of a tent in his boxers and in the labor's tent and says, what did you do? What did you do? And he was like, hey, look, she's the older daughter. We don't, we don't marry off old, younger daughters before older daughters, so there you go. You deceived me. Now the, the deceiver has become the deceived, right? We see that, that, we see that, that uh, uh, Jacob has been transformed. Jacob has been changed. He's worked hard. He's worked hard and uh, uh, in, in, in been honest and been upright for these seven years. And now he's been deceived. And so... He loved Rachel. He's like, I'll work seven more years for Rachel. And I think the, the way the story plays out is that, that he immediately marries Rachel and then works seven years, and so he stays the whole seven years. He stays upright, and he works hard for those seven years. But then at the, at the end of 14 years, I don't know if it's 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 years or how long exactly it was, the transformation, the, the experience he had with God started to wane and we started to see him be a little bit shady with his dealings with Laban. And most of us would probably say, well, Laban had it coming to him. But transformed people act transformed no matter what anybody else does to us. And he starts being a little bit shady with Laban. And it comes to the point that he is starting to be found out in his shadiness. And he decides to run again. And to go back home. But the problem is, is that he ran away from a rock. And ran right smack dab into a hard place. And now he finds himself in between two deceptions. He's running from one. And he's running into his deception from 15 20 years ago. And he's struggling with this. What do I do with Esau? I heard he's coming. What do I do with this guy? Do I deceive him again? Do I keep running? Jacob is struggling with what to do. Nobody here has ever struggled with their transformation, have they? Struggled with how God has transformed them and, and, and living out the transformation that he's placed in us. What do we do when we're struggling with the transformation? Genesis 32, 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. This is also one of those desperate housewives moments. Um, <clears throat> so Jacob marries Leah. 
by deception, and then marries Rachel, the one that he really loves, and he loves Rachel, and the Bible says he loves Rachel, and, and, but because that, that, that he loved Rachel and not really Leah, um, God opened the womb of Leah, and she was having kids like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> Popping them out, all right? And, and ladies, side note, ladies, single ladies especially, look, he doesn't have to love you to have sex with you. This is true in Jacob and Leah. Just know that. But that's another sermon for another day. And Rachel got a little bit uh, jealous of Leah. We have some sibling rivalry. We see dysfunctional written all over Genesis. A little bit of sibling rivalry. So, So Rachel's like, hey, I tell you what. I tell you what, Jacob. Here's my maid. Why don't you, not learning from his grandfather... Jacob said, okay. So the, the, the maid starts having kids. Rachel's, kids or Rachel's maid starts having kids. Leah, not to be overdone, outdone, says, here's my maid. And Jacob's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Only women are laughing right now. I don't know why. <laughs> and between these three women, four, really, but three women, the two maids and the unloved wife, they have 11 kids, but these 11 kids are the foundation of Israel. Despite all of this dysfunction, God is still using that to form his people. And so here es- or Jacob is, he's about ready to face Esau and and he's going across the river to try and get a natural barrier between him and, and Esau. And he takes his dysfunctional family over to the river and all of his possessions. And he's wrestling and struggling with what to do. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And, the, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. So apparently it was normal for men to crawl into your tent at night and start wrestling with you. I don't know if it was like WWE, like, and Jacob sends him off the ropes, and oh, he's, he's crawling up, and the pile driver, brrr, you know, I don't know what this was like, but a guy just crawls into Jacob's tent and starts wrestling with him. I don't know that I would stick around and wrestle, but apparently Jacob has lost his metrosexual ways, and now he's the jock brother too. And so this dude just crawls into his tent and starts wrestling with him. When the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Some strange man walks into your tent, starts wrestling with you, and touches your hip. That's, this is all a bad story. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you, unless you bless me. Like, you crawl into my tent, start wrestling with me, touch my hip, you're going to bless me. What's your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man said. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? You crawled into my tent, started wrestling with me. We've been over this, all right? That's what I would have been thinking anyway. The man replied, did he bless Jacob there? Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. 
For he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. Jacob interpreted this, that God crawled into his tent, started wrestling with him. Some scholars believe that this was an Old Testament sighting of Jesus. Like, wait a minute, I didn't, didn't think that. I thought virgin birth and all the New Testament. And, no, we, it was very possible that, that, that Jesus showed up in the Old Testament in a few of the stories. The three guys in the fiery furnace and then there were four. It's another one of the stories. So here Jacob was, was wrestling with, with God himself. God shows up. God shows up when we need adjustments. God shows up when we need adjustments. For Jacob, it was 15, 20 years between him showing up to Jacob. This is why we do this week in and week out. This is why we have small groups. This is why we encourage you to read your Bible and pray throughout the week. Is that, is that in order for us to get adjustments, in order to be transformed more and more and more into the image of God and the image of His Son. The question is, how much do we want God to adjust us? How much? Once a week much? Twice a month much? Once every 15 to 20 years much? How much do we want God to adjust us so that we become His image? Showing up at church isn't showing up at, about showing up at church. Showing up at church is about coming and saying, God, I want you to adjust me. Going to small group isn't about showing up at small group. It's about showing up and saying, God, I want you to adjust me. Reading your Bible, praying, isn't about just checking off some boxes somewhere. It is about showing up and saying, God, I want you to adjust me and make me look like your son. How much do we want God to adjust us? How much do we hunger and thirst for his righteousness? How much do we long for it? The, the whole passion deal, the whole movement, the whole deal was started because, because of some people saying we want to be passionate so that we can have God show up so that we can be adjusted to be in His image. How much does our heart long for that? And how much does our heart long for the people around us to be adjusted by God? To see them Become from, go from non-fan to fan. See, he adjusts us, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of those around us to be able, so that we can then be God with skin on to them and see God start adjusting them through our life. God shows up in this tent and starts wrestling with Jacob. And so how does he adjust us he touches us. Now the old Gaither song, He Touched Me, and we, we kind of, you know, we think about that song, and it's like, oh, how sweet, and how cute, and etc. We, we don't always want God to touch us. It's not always a sweet, cute thing when God touches us. Because it says that God touched the hip of Jacob, and now Jacob had a permanent limp. Sometimes God touching us is a little painful. Because we need serious adjustment. 
But we need the adjustment in order for us to be like His Son, and in order for us to be healed of our brokenness, that our sin and our lying and our deception and our running causes. But what else did God do? Thirty-two twenty-eight. Your name will no longer be no longer be Jacob. The man told him. For now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Now, most name changes in the Bible go usually is is a very significant upgrade. Jacob's name change went from a pretty bad name to just a bad name. Because he went from being deceiver to struggler. And God says, you're going to struggle with me, and you're going to struggle with man. And that hasn't changed yet. But the difference between struggling and running is that when we struggle and we wrestle with God is that we are willing to come face to face instead of run away from our deception. See, when we are living a lie and we're starting to be found out, what do we do? We run. And maybe this, for some of us, this is why we church hop. Once we are becoming known, we flee. Go to people who don't know us. So that we can continue in our lie. But when we wrestle, when we struggle with God, we're not running. We're showing up face to face with Him. Saying, I'm in my deception and I'm going to wrestle, but God can handle a wrestler. God can handle a wrestler. He's alright with a little bit of WWE happening in our spiritual life. Some people want to tell you WWJD. This is make bracelets. WWE, I wrestle with God. But I show up face to face with Him. Are we willing to show up face to face with God? Even if it's in wrestling, are we willing to show up face to face with Him? A memory verse for this for this series. And I encourage you to memorize it because this is this is a great verse. And a lot of times we think about this verse in the good times, or maybe when somebody's doing something to us, we think about this verse. But this verse is true even when God is trying to form us through our sin and through our deception. I am certain that God, who began a good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished. The day that Christ Jesus returns. He's doing this even in our sin and even in our deception that He is forming us and He will continue to form us until Jesus comes back. No matter what. question is, are we going to run? Or are we going to wrestle? We have a time of reflection. Let's deal with a couple of questions. What part of our life is quote unquote living a lie? What part of our life is living a lie? But how does God showing up in our deception help us get away from the lie? What does it mean to you? 
that he's willing to show up in our deception, that he's willing to adjust us, that he's willing to touch us, and that we don't have to get out of it on our own, that he shows up in our deception. Think about those questions during this reflection time. Think about those questions and ask those questions going home. Ask those questions at lunch. Ask those questions in small group. We're a safe place to come together and wrestle together. But stay out of each other's tents, all right? To wrestle. Right now is a time for you to meet with and to wrestle with God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you will meet us in our deception. That we don't have to get out of it, that you will meet us right where we are. I pray, Lord, that you will um, touch us, move in us, work in us, allow us to wrestle with you. That at the end of the day, we find your healing because you have touched us. Maybe it started off as pain, but at the end of the day, that we find your healing because we've encountered you. Help us all to stop running. Help us all to meet you face to face. It's your name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to be at the back. Shelly will be at the back if you need to talk to somebody or pray with somebody or grab somebody you trust. But we'll be back here to help you wrestle with God. To help you stop running away from the deception.